Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Willie, part of the Nova Insider Network. Rob, still part of the podcast. <laughs> Go here. Couldn't make it tonight. Still here. Couldn't make it tonight. So you're just rolling with Chris and Willie. Rumor uh, has tonight. it he has big COVID. I'm making that up. But, you know, we're in the making up rumors mode. So Yeah, t- this is the rumor podcast. And right now the rumor is that Rob is feeling a little covid at the moment. Yeah. So, um, can't confirm or deny the rumors but he'll be he'll be back on the next podcast after whatever illness that he may or may not have hits the portal and leaves so allegedly allegedly um so a couple things to cover we're going to start with the women's team they finished their tournament run um this past friday and then and then we found out yesterday so it's it's thursday at March 28th at nine o'clock. Uh, sorry, Tuesday. I was about to say, is it fucking? Oh my god, dude, today, today was a today was a whole week in a day. Um, <laughs> it's Tuesday, March 28th at 9 p.m. We found out yesterday, Monday, the 27th, that Maddie has officially declared for the WNBA draft and will not use her last remaining year of eligibility, which will cap just the outstanding career that she's had at Villanova. Um, yep. and, and she won't be moving on. So we, which we'll... also makes sense though. Like it's, I mean, she read, people forget she redshirted. She's been in college for five years. Yeah. So there's like, realistically, no matter how good you are, like six years of college, it's like, I, I got to get on with the next stage of my life. And I'm really excited to see that for, for Maddie. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. So just, so just like talking about that and the team a little bit. So Yeah. We played Miami on Friday in the 4-9 game. And Miami was game. And it's kind of funny because their women's team and their men's team were both seated. Like the men's team was a five, but their but their women's team as a nine kind of was like they're both kind of pulled off upsets as this tournament yep. has gone on. And and they kind of both pulled it off in the same way. Like they excellent. Play very similarly. Like yeah. across the board, it's like they have a they have a culture. Frankly, like whatever you want to talk talk about the NIL aspect of things, the way they play, they play very similarly. Um, they have a lot of guards. They have some good. They have good big bigs, and the guards are special, and they're able to put the ball in the basket at a high level. And they gave us they gave us trouble for the first half, and then we adjusted. Came finally, back, finally, finally adjusted. It took and way too fucking long to adjust. A little bit was Destiny Harden was on the bench, but we pressed and they couldn't handle it. And across the board, we just saw uh, just nothing but success going from that from like the probably like what sixteen minute mark of the second half to basically the four minute mark. Then we kind of stopped pressing once we got the lead, which I think was the big mistake. Should have just kept pressing it, pressing them. That also Miami was able to make some buckets and. Yeah, at the end of the day, we just didn't make the plays down the stretch. I don't really blame this on anyone. Like it was a the the comeback part of the game was genuinely the most excited I've been watching a basketball game all season. Men it was nuts. Was. It was yeah, pretty it wild. Was <laughs> wild. Yeah, we just the way we erased that deficit was insane. Um, yeah, so I agree. I have a question on Miami though, men's and women's. Is their NIL situation, like some people like to rag on it, like whatever, like I don't actually think it's a terrible thing, but do you think that the significance of the NIL thing kind of makes these people, kind of makes their players, men and women, a little bit more like like how we see kind of the NBA play out a little bit in the sense that the NBA, it feels like some of these star teams, like play good enough to get the seed that they want for the playoffs. And then when the playoffs hit, they have another gear because everyone goes that much harder. And then that's when the NIL bought, if you want to call it, I don't want to call it bought, but like whatever you want to say, that's when the, that's when the talent that was, that is actually there playing at 110% shines through and they're able to compete higher than their seed line might suggest. Is there, do you think that there's something to that? 
Like maybe a little bit. Like I think about it, it's a little bit. I would say maybe a little bit. It's interesting, but it, it goes in twofold, honestly, the way I look at it. The, if we start off with the um, men's team, um, they like there's a like a misconception around like the team being completely NIL built. Like Isaiah Wong had been there. Jordan right. Miller was a transfer, but had been there like for another like, for a year prior to that. And Jordan Miller had a fantastic game. Um, then yes, they pulled in Nigel Pack, and that was the whole big one, you know, giving four hundred thousand uh, dollars. What's his name? John Ruiz from Life Alert or whatever his name yeah. is, first or whatever. The, I can't remember the company is. Um, gave four hundred thousand um, dollars. That's kind of like the big one. Um, no shot or Mir, who was at Arkansas State uh, the year before, who was a monster at Arkansas State, um, and their big man who put up like thirteen and ten this season, also. But with the men's team, it's interesting because like they also won the ACC, so it's like they right. had kind they've kind of been there the whole time. They just were like, I would say inconsistent, and like they definitely couldn't have won the Big East the way like, they could have won the Big East based on talent. But the way that their season played out, they wouldn't have won in the Big East. They wouldn't have won in the Big Twelve. They wouldn't have won in the Big Ten because they just weren't consistent enough. But the ACC had just enough flatness and like frankly lack of great teams that like they were able to win the ACC. Um, and then to your point, though, I do think that Miami, NIL allowed them to be built for March. And so like and built for March is, do you have one big who can stretch the floor, who can, or not, not even stretch the floor being a shooter, but like it's mobile at the very least, can protect the rim, can help out the rim. And then do you have guards? We all know guards win. And Miami has two very high level guards in Wong and um, Nigel Pack. And then from the women's side, I think it's a little bit of that where like, all right, I believe Destiny Harden had always been at Miami. I'm trying to remember if that's the case. But then got the Cavender twins from Fresno State, I believe. And like, let me just double check. Had Destiny Harden always been at Miami? I believe. Okay. Was that West Virginia in 2017? But like that was before NIL. So Harden is essentially has always been there stepped up and even Harden wasn't even that good in her first couple of years and then eventually hit something. So when I look at it from a Miami, like the, from the hurricane standpoint, I don't, I think the late, like the, the women hurricane, lady hurricanes, I don't know if that's what they call them, but they might just be called the hurricanes. I think from that side, when I look at it, it's like a little NBA ish, but I also think that works. Like that's where college basketball is going. Right. I, mean, I get that. No, no, it's not, to me, it's not a complaint. No, yeah. I'm just asking yeah. very factually, just like, is there something to this where there, where you might expect teams that are heavily built on NIL, North Carolina brings up, uh, comes up as an example from last year's team, like heavy NIL built teams that kind of like do enough and then, and then play way above their, their season performance in the tournament. That's kind of like just a question I had. Yeah. I don't, I'm just, I'm trying to find morsels of like where this might be going in the future. And like Miami is like an, in, like a, 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 an interesting um, test case to see if that'll become the case going forward. Cause Miami also did the same thing last year where they kind of got through the season and then all of a sudden got hot yeah. like in March. Well, I forgot what they were seated last year, but they got to the lead eight, like they yeah. and had Kansas on the ropes, like right. So, so, so look, we we lose that tough game. Uh, I, I thought, to your point, I thought getting down, I really was kind of getting a little bit upset with 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 Dylan and and kind of the the strategy. Um, I really thought we should have played a two three zone. I thought we were just getting destroyed on drives just to throw them off a little bit. I just don't know if that's not something that's part of it, but I feel like I've seen us play zone before. We played a matchup zone the other day, um, yeah. but like, so like, I feel like we can play zone. So I was a little bit confused by that, but, but nevertheless, we did make the adjustments, got the game back in control and then some, and then, and then, yeah, couldn't make the shots down the stretch. And then a couple of days later, we uh, found out that, that uh, Maddie Segrist uh, has decided, as I said earlier, to uh, to move on and to enter the WNBA draft, Willie made a great point. She's been here for five years, which I'm not sure. Hundred, I'm not sure everyone realizes that. Yeah. Um, but she's had just a wonderful career, and I really think that we we talked a lot about the personal accolades and the season that she's had and all of that. She's now the second 
highest. Um, she had the second best season scoring season yeah. ever. Um, and so, and so we've talked a lot about her season accolades, her career accolades and all of that. And that's wonderful. But the thing that I really want to call out, cause it really interplays well with the fact that this was probably, or one of our best women's teams ever yeah. is that this sweet 16 loss, I'm just being candid, being very honest with you about this year. And I think it's more, it has a lot to do with just the overall kind of success or lack thereof of our women's program over the years is that this sweet 16 loss was genuinely the first time I watched this program play a game lose. And I felt genuinely frustrated and annoyed, sad, angry, like went through all the emotions that I normally feel when the men's team gets knocked out of the tournament. Mm -hmm. Like all of those emotions came flooding in. Cause I was like, fuck man, like, shit like i can't believe we lost that game that sucks like like i wanted to make the elite eight go on this run like we had a chance to go to the final four like it was just kind of like all those things were playing in my head and like i know it sounds weird but like the fact that i was pissed off watching the game when we were getting down big and the fact that i was annoyed sad upset after the fact kind of like tells you kind of like the emotional investment level in this like for me, it wasn't like, oh, this is just kind of nice, right? Like I was genuinely getting annoyed that like we weren't performing better during the first half of that game. And then I was genuinely getting like, like excited, upset, like excited and ultimately upset about the result of that game. And I know that seems like, all right, well, you just, you just care more about the men's team than the women. Uh, maybe, but well, honestly, I think it's, honestly, I think it's more that the team just hasn't been good enough to really like, Put that investment in and now they seem like they're invested and i put a lot of that on maddie lifting this program to new levels yeah and like i think with that it's like i feel like maybe for like people who weren't really into the women's program pre maddie let's say or pre like pre whenever and a bit more transactional where you're kind of watching and not transactional in the way that you like are paying but it's more like all right i'm watching because it's a villain of a women's team oh they didn't win all right that's whatever um, you could connect with maybe like one or two players on the team. I feel like that's maybe how people felt, but this is a testament to Maddie and, and also all the girls on the team and Denise, just like this change from being transactional to where like you for all season, people were emotionally into this team. Your oh, emotions yeah. were bought in like across the board. It wasn't just Maddie. It was watch it like Lucy Olsen's my favorite player on the team. It was watching. <laughs> it was uh Bella Runyon. It was, Christina Dalsey, it was Cy Jones. It was all these players that like you begun to like, yeah, no, we see this is the team. This is like, this is our Wildcats. We're not just watching the Villanova women's Wildcats. Villanova, I don't even think we're the Lady Wildcats, the Villanova no, Wildcats. Just the Villanova just, Wildcats. Yeah, they're just the Villanova Wildcats. Um, but like, I'm watching my team right now. And that was, and like, yeah, maybe part of it was part of like, um, was the men's team wasn't as like good. But like, I think that's even taking away from the credit that like, we had one of the, I'm going to go ahead and say 30 best college basketball players, women's college basketball players of all time. Um, on 100%. the like, I'm just, just from a pure scoring standpoint, like we'll see what the WNBA career looks like. But like, this was like, I mean, I've thought this in my head. It was like watching Elena Deldon. Like that's what, like what Elena Deldon did at Delaware was what Maddie did for us. And now what I hope is on like Delaware, where Delaware kind of tanked after Elena left, that we're able to continue to ride ride the weight and we have more funding we have a better program all these different reasons that we should continue to get a little bit better um but maddie was just such a singular and special athlete and clearly a special person just everything that you saw from her off the court that it just emotionally i feel like people were more bought in and that's where that pain that you felt where it wasn't transactional where oh a villanova team lost it was my villanova team lost and that was like the big difference in my eyes yeah, and it feels like I don't. It's not exactly the same, obviously, but they kind of play like Villanova basketball. You know what I mean? Oh, like completely. They, yeah, they're, they're like they're like it's like it's a team like that is that Denise Dillon has created a team and a culture that feels like a Villanova basketball team should have, right? Like yep. it's not copycat off of Jay Wright. It's not inauthentic. It's not stolen valor. It's none of that. But it. Though the team has the markings of like a Villanova team on the come up, yeah, that's the, that's the best way I could describe it. Like, like 
that 2013 team, the 2014 team of the on the men's side, mm-hmm. where you felt like okay, this program's rising up right now, and they're and it's on the come up, like, and and you could tell the players were starting to have some more fun playing games. Like this year's men's team, like call a space spade, like didn't have fun, right? Like I was yeah. talking to a fan of the podcast and and wonderful, wonderful alum. Um, and I'm not going to say your name because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to call her out, but like, or, or put her on blast to anybody or whatever. But she pulled me aside at MSG. We were talking and she just goes, she's Chris, these guys don't look like they're having a good time. But like, whereas the girls or the women, like we're having a fucking blast out there. Yeah. Right? Like, and it was fun watching them have fun. And it was fun watching them be awesome while they were also having fun. Right. And and Maddie and everything that she's done in being this, in being this, I agree, top 30 women's basketball player, maybe ever, right? Like has lifted this program up with a, it's not like terribly young, but an experienced young coach. Cause it's hard yeah. to get a job early, right? Like an experienced young coach in Denise Dillon, who's fiery. She's got all the intensity that you want. She's classy as all hell. Like we need Villanova people to be, because that's just kind of what the program and what the department and the school demands, yep. but like, comp- like competitive, like intense, like they have lifted this program and put them on their, on their shoulders and changed the, the fundamental direction of this program. I fully believe that. Yeah. And look, do I think next year probably looks like a step back without Maddie Seagates? I mean, how could you say it, it won't be? Yeah. How could you say it won't be? But there's a lot of pieces there, man. Like I, your, your girl, Lucy Olson, man, she's, that's going to be a fun, she's going to be a fun guard to track. Yeah. Um, you brought up Christina Dalse. Like she is, uh, I, I, I think that she's got, she was awesome this year and she has a lot more to unearth um, in terms oh. of potential. Yep. In terms of finishing, like I it's not really be too critical, but struggles a little bit finishing around the rim. Um, but she's a hell of a rebounder. She fights like hell on the glass. Um, and, and so the two of them, there's, you know, you look for it, see everything college basketball, you want, you need a big and you need a, and you need a guard. And we have some pieces there yeah. to build the team around. And a lot of the team comes back. So only people who should be leaving are Maddie Segrist and Brooke Mullen. They're the only two seniors. Like, obviously maybe someone could transfer, um, but like, it's there. And like, you, so you look, and then I know we have two uh, recruits coming in. They're both guards and heck, maybe you try and pull one high level transfer in who can like give us 70% of what Maddie was. Um, and then you run into the, run it again and you hope for a growth. Like you said, from Lucy, from Christina, from Maddie Burke, from uh, Oriole, Caitlin Oriole. And then you're like, just like with internal growth that like, you can see that happening, but like a lot of it's going to come down to like Lucy Olson taking a big step forward, which I think she's more than capable of. Oh yeah. She showed the flashes of it. Yeah. Like her, her play consistently elevated as the season went on. And yeah. so I think with a good off season, she's going to be, she's yeah. going to be awesome next year. All right. So that kind of covers the women's side. On the men's side, we talked about the Rumors podcast. This is the Rumors podcast. We are in rumor season. We're in portal season. I know it's a final four, and we can talk about that a little bit, but, like, it is – the portal is hot. The stove is cooking, and, man, there's a lot going on, and yet not a lot going on. Villanova, what's going on? (laughs) A lot of nothing. There's a lot of nothing, yeah. It's a lot of stress. Yeah, it's stressful nothing, yep. It's a a stressful amount of nothing. It's just anticipation and anxiety right now. Um, And not in a great way. Uh, But the, so let's just talk about Justin Moore first, because Mm -hmm. that's been the, that's been the biggest topic, right? And like, I have to say, I kind of feel bad for Justin because. Can we take a step back? Because I think there's people who may not be, who may have not been on Twitter today and maybe, you know, had an actual life and didn't hear any of these rumors that like, because today I feel like we've heard, there were like bubblings like in the week, in the weeks, the last couple of weeks. But then today it was like, I heard like four different teams just today. I was like, what the heck? I was just going to say, I feel bad for Justin because based on where the rumors is, he's going to be playing for four to five different colleges. He might be in the G League. 
maybe on a two-way contract and maybe in Europe. He's got a that's that's he's not doing any load management next year. He's got yeah, a busy schedule. He has figured out like self-replication, which yeah. is pretty cool. Uh, if he it's, can do that. it's impressive. So let's just talk about all the schools where Justin's been rumored to go. Um Ohio State, his brother apparently plays football or something at Ohio State. So yeah. he's gonna go to Ohio State. Syracuse, um, who apparently Cole Swider is like talking to him or something like that. Cole Swider is now, I don't know, is he on the Lakers? Uh, he is on the Lakers, yep. yeah. Cole, Cole Swider is talking to him or whatever. So we heard that rumor. Then we have today in the morning, we woke up to North Carolina pumping their chest, being like, Justin Moore is fucking coming to UNC, baby. Like, he's yep. coming. Like, and then, um, so we got th- those were three. All throughout, we've heard Maryland floating around in there. Yep. I heard Georgetown today. Georgetown came up as a school that he was going to go to today. Um, and and Maryland saw... and Georgetown, out of all the schools, Maryland and Georgetown seem to make the most sense to me, only because he's from the DMV. Yeah. So at least with those schools, like, I'm like, all right, like, I get that, like, in a sense of, like, I want to be a little bit closer to home in the final year when he's trying to put something together to hopefully get himself into a two-way or a second-round draft pick type situation next year. Yeah. Like, I guess I, I could get that. I've <laughs> seen one more one, which I don't know where the heck this came from. I saw Indiana somewhere, and I was like, what is going on? All of this is just pure consternation. It's pure just rumor mill, like, there, that's not to say Justin isn't going to transfer. Justin may decide to transfer. That's not to say that any of those are wrong. Like they, oh, at least one of them will be right, or potentially one of them could fucking transfer to Gonzaga. Who knows? Like he could make any decision at this point. We're all just consternating. The idea is though, like Justin could come back to Villanova. That's completely still an option. Um, there's just a lot of rumors, and for the sake of rumors, I don't. There's no real reason for it. Um, Maybe that's what we're waiting on is Justin to make a decision. Who knows? But like at the end of the day, like I do feel bad for Justin because he's done nothing but be a consummate Villanova basketball player. I'm not going to say rushed back from an Achilles injury, but like definitely could have taken his time more and came back and honestly gave us the best moments of the season. Just like the hope that we had this season came back when Justin, Justin came back. Like he did that. So if Justin feels for whatever reason, he decides whether he wants to go be a little closer to home, whether he wants to go hang out with his brother, whether he wants to, I don't know, go pretend to be Michael Jordan at UNC, go hang out with Cole Swider, who's not at Syracuse, whatever the reasons may be more power to him. I don't know. I mean, just at the stage of like, there's so much nonsense in the air that I'm like, we'll let Justin do what Justin's going to do. He'll make his decision. And if he's staying at Villanova, if he goes to the league, if he goes to another school, I'm going to wish him the best no matter what. Yeah. Let's talk about this a little bit deeper though. So like, so like, let's answer this question. What does it mean for the program? If Justin Moore leaves, right? Like, and, and to be clear, We've said on this podcast, we've been very consistent throughout this podcast that we do not expect Justin Moore to be a Villanova Wildcat next year. Now, yeah. I my expectation was that he was going to go pro. I look at the tea leaves and I say he turns 23, uh, yeah, 23 soon. I think his birthday is in April. He turns 23 soon, plays another year in college and be 24, right? Like before he plays any type of professional ball. Now, if he's good enough, he'll play and earn a good living either overseas or wherever G league, whatever it may be, maybe find his way into a two way be like kind of like a rookie, wily rookie in a way, like in, in, in some way on some type of two way, if he can prove his value enough, but like, but like I didn't expect Justin to be back as a villain of a wildcat next season. But I think where it's, it might hit differently for people, Willie is, is that it's one thing if he goes pro, I think a lot of people would just be like, okay, he's 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 decided to move on. Yeah. He's done with college. Like Maddie, right? Like they're done with college, right? Like Maddie could have probably pulled a pretty big NIL deal. Oh, and it'll be a higher value than whatever she's gonna get as a first year contract in the WNBA. Completely. But like is done. She's done. She's soul searched. She's like, I, I I like look, I love Villanova, I love college, but I need to move on. Right. Like, and so, and so. She just wants to move on. And I could get that. I think everyone else could get that if Justin Moore decides to move on. Torres Achilles came back, 
did what he could with the team and is just not, it's just gotten to the point where he's like feeling a little less connected and wants to move on and move on to the next phase of his life. My question for you is what does that mean for the program if Justin decides to transfer? So there's a lot that I feel like it could mean. I think the first thing I'm thinking about is if the way I interpret it is if Justin decides to transfer, it's probably because, and like this is something like I thought Justin would just go pro, and I frankly didn't really take this into account when I was thinking about it. It's because of NIL. And it's because somewhere, some school, and we named all pretty schools with pretty big pockets that could give him an NIL deal that he just couldn't get at Villanova. Maybe Villanova matches whatever it is and Justin gets the Nigel Pack $400,000. The reason why, like, what it means for the program is, well, the reason why he'd take that is in the G League, no matter what he does, unless he gets a two-way, which is probably unlikely just because he needs to, like, prove his, he needs to prove more. If he, unless he gets a two-way, he's not making $400,000. He's not making $300,000. If he's just a straight-up G League contract, he is going to be making maybe seventy-five maybe $90,000, depending on like the priority that they give him. So there's that math of like the mental math of like, all right, I'm 23. Do I go yada, 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 do the math of do I make $75,000 or do I make $400,000 or do I want to start my career or do I push it back? Those are all the things that he's considering from a program perspective. If it's NIL related and there's just a bigger NIL bag, I think it tells us that like, we got some work, some catching up to do, or we don't. And we stay consistent to the way that we are, but we just understand that these are going to be, I'm not even going to call them misses, but just opportunities that we won't be a part of if players are looking for $400,000 and we're deciding to say no to that, which is completely fair. I uh, it's a management of, decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a management decision. <laughs> no, and, that's cool. and I'm honestly like, I don't blame anyone for that. I think Bayheim. Uh, there was a transfer, or not even a transfer, a college kid that Bayheim was talking to, and I can't remember what his name was, and this came up like maybe in January or December, and Bayheim was like, yeah, this person was like asking for like 600000 in IL, and I just told him, no, not make that decision. That's completely fair. I There's no issue with that. But if Justin were to transfer, I would assume it's an NIL decision, and what just Villanova needs to do, and so this isn't anything that I have any insight into or that we have, but it's just like, look in the mirror of all right, did we make our best offer? And was our, was there is there room to grow and still adhere to what we believe Villanova should be in the NIL world? If they believe that they're hitting that, I have nothing to say. Like, I'm like, all right, do you? Because I I don't want us to, I don't want us to be Miami shelling out $500,000 for every player. I get it. Um, but I do think that there's room to grow. That's what I think it means from a Justin and NIL perspective. What I think happens is there's a domino effect right i can't even begin to like figure out what that domino effect looks like but like we saw how justin was the core of the team this season the domino effect that happens after if justin decides to leave will be very interesting i don't know who would be leaving the only person i know who will be leaving is cam i cam is gone let's just once again cam will leave and go be in the nba whether he's the fourth pick or he's the 10th pick those are based. That's basically his range. He's going to go to the NBA. Beyond yeah. that, like maybe people say, maybe they go. I have no clue. But the second part of means for the program is if Justin leaves, that there's a domino effect, and whatever we do in the portal needs to be amplified. Well, that's for sure. Yeah, on the portal front, needing to be amplified. But I guess my let's get at the question here. Yeah. Like I want to. I don't want to dance around this. What does it say about Kyle Neptune? Personally, I don't, I have like two thoughts. There's one that's like, all right, maybe they just like don't want to play for him. And I don't mean that in a way, a negative way, but in the way that like Justin, like specifically, I'm just going to start with Justin. Justin committed to play for Jay. Yeah, Kyle was part of the recruiting process and all that stuff, but you commit to play for the head coach. Came, Came back early for the team, for the head coach, has just decided I'm willing to go my other direction. If there's dominoes that fall, they'll transfer for their individual reasons. What I think it says about Neptune, honestly, I'm not going to, with Justin specifically, I don't think it says anything. I think this is a Kyle Neptune agnostic decision. 
if it's Justin. If other people transfer who are like still around, I'm not gonna throw names because I don't ever you can figure out who we're like um, who I'm alluding to. I don't want to like throw let's out just, names like let's just be honest. I've heard a rumor. We don't have to we don't have to name names, but I've heard a rumor about every single one of the players on the yeah, team completely not named Chris Archidiacono and Colin O'Toole. I, I've heard rumors about every single one. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they're, I, I certainly don't think they're all going to pan out, but I think we could just put that on the table that yes. there hasn't been a person who hasn't been in my DMs, who hasn't sent me screenshots from View Hoops, who hasn't, or, or View Sports, who hasn't texted me or whatever. Every single player has been on the table from multiple folks. Yeah. And not to say, say they're all well-sourced or whatever. I take everything with a grain of salt. But like every single player other than Chris Arch and Colin O'Toole, I have heard some type of rumor of some type of transfer, whether that was two weeks ago and then later got a follow up that said, no, nope, I don't think that's off the table now or whatever. Like there has been a progression this season where it looked like there was a moment where the cupboard might be bare and we had to do a full blown rebuild. Yeah. But but sorry, I just wanted to interrupt. No, you that's on that fair. Point yeah. Because because it's worth saying that, like, had that transpired. And something along those lines transpired. You cannot get the Kyle conversation away. You can't get out of the Kyle conversation. There's, you have to talk about it in that situation. Yeah. And that's basically like what I've been like, I, I, I think, thank you for like playing that. Like, I'm like trying to avoid being like that ha- situation happens because if that happens, you have there just, I, you have to look in the mirror that that's just like, that's just what it is. The good side of this is, we know once again Kyle's getting at least another year probably another two years no matter what happens every player who commits to Villanova from this point on is committing to Kyle Neptune agreed and that's where it's huge so we spoke about last podcast 24 and 25 we have positive momentum players are interested yet like you commit to the school yes but you commit to the coach more than anything like that's who you're there to play for so what I feel the positive, or not the positive, but the glass half full looking look is, okay, anyone who leaves can be leaving for whatever reason it may be, but more importantly, whoever comes in is committing to Kyle, and that's where we see, like, frankly, this year, this coming season, and next year, we see who is Kyle Neptune, and we get to see, like, what he gets to do when the people are there for him. What does it mean if we have a full exodus? I think we all know it's like, all right, something's wrong. Like, that's just, frankly, what it is. I don't know how you get away from that. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a full exodus, so. No, I don't don't either. So I don't, I I don't either. I don't think there's going to be a full exodus. I I think, I think there could start a domino effect if Justin decides to transfer. Yeah. I don't think everyone's staying on the team because Justin. Yeah. But, but it does seem like with all the, here's what I'll say. I don't want to say smoke, there's fire, but. Since the hottest rumors always seem to be Justin, and that has to do with his stature of a player. Yeah. Um, but like, since the hottest rumors seem to be Justin, it feels like everyone is holding back to finalize any life choices before the best player on the team makes that decision. Yep. So I feel like we're going to get somewhere soon. Now, does Justin have to? I don't even know what it looks like. Does it? Do, do we just hear nothing? <laughs> and then the I, transfer portal window expires and Justin's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Like, my, <laughs> my bet would be what we hear is Justin declares for the draft, enters the portal and says, I'm keeping my Villanova option open and just does all three. So we we hear nothing because it essentially it means nothing. <laughs> we just get back to we just yeah. get back to where we were. <laughs> but he officially puts all three out there. That would be just based on the amount of rumors like I can't imagine that all these rumors are happening and he's not at least considering the portal. Like and also sure. he'd be silly not to consider. I'm sure that people are reaching out. Look, this yeah. is this is the this is the knife yeah. game of basketball now in the in the portal era where it's like where it's like <laughs> like I'm gonna fucking get you. Like if like, you're a coach and you're not reaching out to Justin Moore, you're doing you're not doing your job. Yeah, right. Like, and it's like, is that tampering? I don't even know what his rules are anymore. Is it tampering to reach out like to a player? Like, no or do you reach out through play people who are kind of like involved in the program, not part of the program? Like, I, I don't know how it all works. There's a lot of rules that need to be made around this. <laughs> yeah. that we just now, aren't. That is an interesting point though that you bring that up. Yeah, because there are rules now around this that changed a little bit, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Because the NCAA came in and said, 
you can transfer one one freebie for everybody still, but then your second one, unless it's your grad transfer year. So like, let's just play this out. You play two years, transfer, freebie transfer, play another two years. Then you're a grad transfer guy. And then you bolt to another school to play your grad transfer year, which was always allowed. That's what Joe Primo did. Like we, we've seen that before. Like, um, unless it's like that, then like if you transfer a second time, even if like you're, and it's saying accordingly that like, even if your coach leaves or something like that, that you have to sit out a full more year. So, so like, that's kind of like, which is like the mm. old way. We're on so, opposite sides of that also. I think. Well, I'm not necessarily for it or against it. Like my point is that like, I get where the NCAA is coming from in its attempt to, this is what I'm saying. In it, you're shaking your head. I get where it's coming from in its attempt to basically say to these players, like, careful what you wish for, because if you use your freebie transfer, like too early, and then you go transfer from a coach who then leaves. And this example is very clear with Cooley right now going to Georgetown, then like, you won't be able to leave. Right. Like, and like, look, the coaching, the coaching change point, I think is a fair point to rectify that potential issue. But I, but I think where the NCAA is trying to get at is actually to try and avoid the Cooley situation where I think Cooley left for Georgetown thinking I'm going to take everybody with me. He took all his coaching staff. Um, he's already brought the, some of the recruits over as of today. And like, you know, he's got a couple other players who are in the portal and then he's got Hopkins and, and Carter who have already transferred and now kind of like, are like all quiet on the Western front here in terms of what they're going to do. So like, look, I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. I, all I'm saying is I kind of get where they're coming from on this. Um, I'm, but but like I like you are very passionate. I know this because we've talked offline about it. You're very passionate about the about the coaching change situation, and I get that. I just think that I do like the fact that the NCAA is trying to like limit this a little bit. Big Charlie Baker defender over here, Chris, defending the NCAA, protecting the shield. No, I I hear you. Um, I just think if your coach leaves, you you got you you should have free reign. But that's really the only place that we differ on it is that regard. I do like the structure behind it. It's going to reduce the amount of like hopping of transfers, which is important, especially because like all right, you make that there's still the free agency play. Like you still have the free like. One time, go go off, do whatever you want to do to think a little bit more about it. I just, when you transfer for a coach and that coach leaves, it's not great. But I do think you're, I didn't think about your point about Cooley. Um, just being able to like, to really pull, it's basically pulling Providence to Georgetown. The Georgetown Friars is essentially what it's trying to, they're trying, he's trying to make it. So I completely get that. Provitown, the Georgia Dents, uh, Froyas. <laughs> yeah. The Freuds. The Freuds. Um, but the, yeah. So like, look, we, we kind of digressed a long way away from yeah. the Villanova conversation, but like, but that, that'll also, I think that's also my play of factors. This new rule is kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know. So, so look with Justin, I would give a pass to Neptune on Justin for all yeah. the factors that you laid out. I don't think it looks good. <laughs> there's no like good spin on it no there's like, not yeah but like i think you could spin it away from bad i could kind of buy that i am it's not good for the program it doesn't necessarily reflect bad on kyle if justin that's leaves. my point that's yeah. my point i don't care that they didn't commit to play for jay Wright. like i'm just gonna go out and say this like it's not a, me saying they should be fired like he should be fired or whatever if this team loses Mark Armstrong, then I think you have to have a conversation. Like only, let's just say it's only him. And I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be based on his how invested his mother is on Twitter and everything like that. Like just reading the tea leaves there, like he's going to get the keys to the car. So like, so like, I, I don't think that Justin, I'm sorry. I don't think that Mark will transfer, but if Justin, oh sorry, Jesus Christ, <laughs> if Mark were to transfer, 
I think you got to point at Kyle because that's a guy who is like literally like you are being handed the keys to be the point guard of Villanova, which does mean something. Right? Like, yeah. right? like that does carry some significance. It's not quite shortstop for the Yankees, but it's like, but it's, it means something, right? Like, yeah. so like, it's like, you're getting handed the keys to that and you choose to walk away from it. Then that's kind of on the coach. Right. So like, I am and to that point, like, I have a hard time. I, I'm trying. I'm trying very hard to not be super critical of Kyle um, in this meantime. But to that point, Mark's never played for Jay. Like, yeah, he committed to come here, but he never played for Jay. So that's where it's like it can really only reflect on Kyle because, like, anyone else who has played for Jay were to were to leave, it's like, well, all right, maybe they just don't like Kyle's style. Like, they've seen college basketball styles. They've seen Jay. And then maybe they just don't like Kyle's style. Like you can kind of make that case, but I do hear what you're saying. Mark has the key to be like Colin Gillespie, Jalen Brunson, Ryan Archidiakono, Corey Fisher, Corey, um, Scotty Reynolds, Randy Foy, Kyle Lowry. Like just, I just listed essentially last seven starting point guards. Every single one of them, except for two were NBA players. And Kyle or Colin hasn't played a game yet, but he'll get there. Um, right, like you guys have follow in the lineage of yeah. Villanova basketball point guards. Like, like, I'm sorry, that means something. Like, so like if he were to leave, I would put that on Kyle's shoulders. Like, I just can't, I can't yeah, get away. I hear you. That. Yeah. I completely uh, agree with that. Like, and he's from nearby, right? Like yeah. a guy like a Brendan Hawson, like is from Texas. Right. So like, if he wanted to like go to Texas tech or university of, or whatever, like. There's a good, there's a good, good school, school in Houston. Uh, good team there that. Yeah. <laughs> like I could even get that. Right. Like, so like, there's elements of all of that that I kind of understand. Mark would be just to Mark's me. The one. Yeah. That's the one that's like, you can't have that. I think that's yeah. a fair point. And I think the big thing is also just like, we, we just, we're just still in the dark. And like, yeah. I'm not saying Villanova needs to come out with a press release and we're just going to continue being in the dark. And it's going to be interesting because when whatever happens, I wonder if it's going to be domino effect or if it's going to be cascade all at one time where is it going to happen all in one day where everyone leaves or is it going to be like slow rolled announcement and then like the next day someone announces i'm just kind of curious how it's going to happen because i think that will also i mean we're to call a space we'll see that's how that'll dictate how the fans react like frankly 100 percent. the other side to this is is our reach outs in the portal and this is something that's very interesting to me because I felt very confident coming on the first podcast postseason, which is, I guess, two podcasts ago. I felt very confident coming on that podcast and basically saying, we need a five man. Willie, I've seen us reach out to wings. I've seen us reach out to uh, guards. I've seen us reach out to forwards. We have not reached out to a single center. I, I, yeah. I, I, and I could be wrong there, but I think my mind is right. Like, I think we've reached out to maybe 15 people. I don't know. Is it is it 15 at this point? It might be I, around there. 10 to 15. I, I've seen us on the list for 10 to 15 people. Some of my memory might get a little bit mixed up because in the middle of all of this portal stuff, like we've also been on lists for 24 guys and 25 guys. So I'm like getting a little bit like. And that's a, that's actually a good point. We do have a, we have are in the mix with two, maybe three 24 bigs. So it might just be like we want to develop our bigs and we don't want to pull yeah. one in. But the other guy who I thought was definitely going to transfer was Nana Njoku. Hasn't seen the floor in two years, right? Like obviously we've spent a lot of time hurt this year. Yeah. But just kind of like MIA completely. I believe we redshirt, medical redshirt tag, tagged him. This year? This year. I believe, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. But I thought I remember hearing that this past year we redshirt tagged him kind of after the fact because he was hurt most of the year and we just kind of roll with that. I think he got spot minutes in like two or three games. So I think he would still be eligible okay. for the medical redshirt. I don't hold my feet to the fire on that. I, I, I just think that that's the case. Um. I thought for sure he would transfer. I really did. I really thought like he was going to leave and he hasn't left yet. And like, that's not a transfer that like, he doesn't need to wait for Justin Moore to transfer. But like, like he can move on. Right. Um, and, and I thought Trey Patterson might leave. And 
again, another guy who doesn't need to wait for more to find out his answer. Like doesn't play anywhere near the same position as him. Yep. Like none of that. Trey and Nana did not leave. Like, look, and that's great. Like it's fine, but I am a little bit surprised because, because in my view, in order to keep and, and maintain and, and develop Eric Dixon, and we've said this time and time again, Eric needs to be able to play at least a good chunk of minutes at the four. Yep. We've talked about this at Norris in the podcast. We don't need to, we don't need to bring it up. He needs to play a good chunk of minutes at the four. In order for him to do that, you have to have a competent five man. And Nanajoku, I just can't envision a scenario in which he goes from not seeing the floor to a starting level five guy in the Big East. Not with Donovan Klingon, <laughs> not with Oso Gadar. Uh, did I say the wrong name? Is it no Oso Gadar is, but he might. I think he's a senior. I don't remember. No, I think he's. I think he's eligible for another year. Um, okay. But either way. Not he's with also showing up on draft radar. Not with there. not with Soriano, who's now the yeah. captain of St. John's under Rick Pitino, right? Like, it's you know I think Cockbrenner's back at Creighton. I could be wrong, but I think he's back. Nunji's fucking married at Xavier, and I think he even has another year of eligibility, right? Like, so you're talking about a very deep five man roster in the Big East again. Yeah, and. Nana and Joku's going to be expected to compete. Uh, and, and like, I, and I, and I look, I, if he does like, great, I'm not, I'm not ragging on the guy, but like, this is one of the things where I'm like, we can't get like a, we can't get like a grad transfer five man to like play a role for a year. So while we kind of get and build Nana up a little bit and work him into the rotation and then get those recruits that we are targeting for 24, yeah. like we can't get a grad transfer rental. <sighs> I, I'm going to, I think what we're doing, at least the way, and this is pure speculation, but I think what we're doing is we know we're going to have changes on the wings. We just know that we're going to have changes on the wings. We know that there's guards that are probably going like Caleb's gone. So we need a guard. Um, Slater's gone. Slater's gone. We need a wing. Cam's gone. We need a guard. We need a wing. So like, we know there's changes on the wings. We're still unaware. Like, I think what they feel like to your point is, and this might be this might not be ideal, but I think what they feel is we know Eric's a great five man, even though he probably should be playing more four. And they're just going to be like, we're going to trust Nana to play those 10 to 15 minutes. And if anything happens, maybe there's some roster reconstruction around and like maybe we're getting more of a like skilled. I think what will more than likely happen, because I feel like we have an aversion to bigs, is are we going to get another like skilled six, eight, four? Are we going to get another Eric? If we get another Eric who can play the five and could let Eric be the four, I think that's more likely. So that's what I would probably look at as compared to getting another pure five man. It's going to be, do we get another skilled four that like, okay, Eric's playing the four right now, but like we have this guy who can go like essentially so we can go five out, which would be great. But I feel like that's where we're going to more lean to. We reached out to Chris Mack at Harvard. Chris Mack, no. What am I making this name? I can't remember. Ledlam. I don't know why. I, I was missing BJ Mack and Chris, uh, Chris Ledlam. Chris Ledlam at Harvard, who is kind of that kind of player, which is like where I'd imagine they're thinking in that realm of like, well, I will play him and Eric together and they can switch. That's what I'd imagine we're doing unle- until, until I hear more. But like, it is a lot to expect of Nana to give us 10, 15 minutes when Frankly, he hasn't done that. He hasn't done anything. His entire, his, yeah, his entire career. That's not to say he's not capable of it because he is, he was a four-star recruit. He's a high-level basketball player. I think he could be really, really good, but, like, he hasn't been on the floor. And we just you need to be on the floor. Like, that's just what it is. Like, as much as development is behind the scenes, like, I, he has, what, 10 games to his Villanova career that he's played in? Like, Maybe. probably, Yeah. So and it's like a couple of spot minutes and yeah. like basically with the walk-ons, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I, on this one. I'm, I'm like, look, so, so kind of big picture. We were very comfortable saying, be patient with Kyle, be patient with the staff. Like it's, it's different. It's unique. He's got to come in. He's not going to be Jay Rice, young coach, whatever, but like, there doesn't seem to be this outward sense of urgency. We called this out a couple uh, the last podcast or two podcasts ago. And like, and yet, and when I mean urgency, like we don't need to be on 40 lists. 
we don't like because it just seems like Arkansas is just basically like yep, ping, ping, they like, just swipe in right on everybody, right? Like, yeah, right. Like, but for for us, like it feels like we're being targeted to who we reach out to. Like, if we want to reach out, like we we give a shit, like we want to actually get involved with a guy. Yeah. But then no center. So, like, and again, I, I made that point earlier, but like when I'm looking at the coaching staff and when I'm asking about sense of urgency that tells me that they're not have a sense of urgency for next year. And look, expectations wise, we'll get into this bro- more broadly, kind of like in the off season podcasts. Once we know like, what the team is, but like, yeah. And once we know what the team is, but like band, get it in your head. This team is not going to be preseason top five in the big East. Like just get it out of your head right now, because there's a talk, strong chance we're like 10th. It might be bottom four. Right, yeah. like, right, and and we can talk about if that's okay or not. <laughs> sure, it is, but like, yeah, no, but but realistically, the Big East is so fucking loaded at the top next year because Marquette brings a ton back, Creighton brings a ton back, Xavier brings a ton back. They've been portaling guys out like crazy, which tells me Miller's got like a Miller's got a plan. Her Creesa transferred out of Arizona and immediately picked up a crystal ball to Xavier, which tells me that, which tells me that, yeah, Miller's got some, Miller's got some tricks up his sleeve. Oh, we're going to hate Kirk Creesa in the Big East so much. Yeah. It's Miller's so got some fun. tricks up his sleeve. He's going to tool up Xavier a lot from a talent perspective. And did I already bring up UConn? Like yep. UConn is, UConn is not bringing a, a ton back. They're bringing about half their roster back. They'll bring back, they'll bring yeah. back Klingon. Yeah. Um, and then, honestly, in Caravan, they'll they're bringing in a like they they, we, they have they one have of the best class five. in the country. Yeah, they have their best the best class in the country. They're what they're calling their Fab Five, and yeah, okay, that's a bunch of freshmen. But then I'd imagine we're gonna see, so that's like seven players: Klingon, Caravan, Fab Five, and then it's like Samson Johnson, I think, is still there. Um, yeah. And then they'll probably portal in two to three depth veteran players, and then you just you have a team and like. UConn has a kid, Stefan Castle, who is going to point be forward, right? Like point, he's, he's a point, he's a big point guard. He's Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Like he's not going to be, he's not as lauded as Cade Cunningham, but that's the kind of player he is. He's going to be great. So UConn's reloading. They're going to be top five. Also, they're just, in the they're currently game. in the final four. So it's like, yeah, they, they have a grace here. Like if, even if they were taking a step back, which they won't be. But like you realistically have three to four big East teams in the top 15 like AP top 15 preseason next year, yep. right? Like, so there's your top four, right? Then you have Patino who, who the fuck knows what he's going to do in the portal. Um, and, and in the last gasp of the recruiting trail, here, but you know, it's going to be something. It's going to be something. And he's going to be Rick Patino and the garden's going to be fucking on fire, right? Like him English at Providence is going to keep, he's already, there was announcements today. He's going to keep like, he's going to keep well, like, a, th- a third to a half of that roster from did last you, year. Did you just see? I I just saw it like maybe twenty minutes ago. He played um, Jaden Pierre in basketball and said like I I don't know, but it was like on Insta Live or whatever. He played him in pickup and was like, "If I beat you, you're staying." Jaden Pierre just like said he's transferring. He said, "If I beat you, you're staying, and we're working together. And if not, you can transfer." Kim English beat him because first off, Kim English was an NBA player. Kim English. <laughs> People forget, and if I'm doing the math right, was Darren Hilliard's teammate in Detroit. So, like, was in the NBA not that long ago. Right. Um, so that's just very – I think that's very funny. Okay, so, yeah, so so he's going to keep, like, half of his roster minimally. Um, Croswell moves on and Bynum has moved on, but I think Bynum moving on from the rumors that I've heard was probably a mutual thing. <laughs> Let's just say – the proximity to Mohegan Sun might not have been good for him. I'll just I'll leave it at that. <laughs> that's 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 what the rumor mill tells me at Providence. But that's the Providence rumor mill is special as we've come. They to got work. they got rumors on rumors there. Oh uh, yeah, but that's that is news to me. Um. So so let's keep moving on here. Kind of like so Providence is probably going to be. Yeah, they'll probably be in the mix. Hall is. Like Hall had like a culture building near what I'll call for, for them. And then yeah, you still got the Paul, but then Georgetown all of a sudden comes into the fold. 
with their kind of stolen valor team under Ed Cooley, I don't think they'll be great next year, but like <laughs> they're bringing guys in and Cooley's yeah. Cooley. So like, so like, yeah, this is going to be a hard nut to crack next year. And look, if the program is basically going to say, yeah, we looked at the landscape of the conference next year and this, this one's just not the one worth competing in. Then like, they can't actually come out and say that obviously. I would lose my mind if they said that. Right. Yeah, of course. But like, but like if they basically was just like, we're playing for 2024, 2025 season, because that's when we think we can pick the program off the mat, if you will, like, like maybe, but I don't, but that to me, I'm going back to the point that I said, like not enough urgency because if you're really urgent about, about 23, 24, then you need to go out and get a five. Like I, like I, We'll become, I'm going to be complaining about this all year. Like that's, that's, it, that's really problematic for me. Like you can load up on the guard position, but unless this team is going to be the 06 Villanova team where Will Sheridan plays the five and, and that's kind of Eric Dixon's role. And we, and we have elite guard play, which doesn't really exist in the portal unless we go get guys like Caleb Love, which we're not like, then, then I, I don't know where we're going. I think I hear you. Um, I think versatility is just going to be the name of the game, whatever it is. So as, as long as that five can do other stuff, I, I'm I'm leaning for probably more of a playmaking four than a pure five, just like thinking versatility. But to your point, like about everything, first off, if this if they came out and said, or they just like clearly were playing, I, I'm not saying they would come out. No, and say, but no. if they, but if they are clearly playing for 23, 24, which I would think is an absolutely insane proposition. Like we've already seen it happen with the portal. You can change a season immediately. You can go to the portal and go from four and four and 24 to a tournament team just by using the portal and hitting on two recruits. Like you develop your stars in house, you add portal pieces and you like you're smart with nil you do that and like you can find success we've already seen that every single team and I, this isn't an original thought um sam vicini on game theory podcast was talking about this but every single team in the final four has a unique roster construction yukon went in the portal got bit pieces had a star in snogo had a player that developed into a star in jordan hawkins and then had like stud freshmen miami was had depth pieces, had a star in Wong, added two studs from the from the portal. FAU kind of built internally and plays modern basketball and like spreads you out and isn't like super big dependent. And then San Diego State did what I feel like Villanova fans would love to do is they got old, they stayed old, and they're just like San Diego State's a bunch of 24-year-olds and just tough as nails. And like all four completely different to So there's like a billion ways that we can get creative with roster construction and find success. It's just, we need to execute on that. I'm going to continue to be patient for, what's it today? March 28th. I'll give us like three more weeks of patience, <laughs> um, maybe two. And then if I don't hear anything by mid April, then I'm going to be like, all right, what the hell are we doing? Um, I'd imagine by that point, we'd also hear more from our players and we'll have a better say of like what we need to do. Yeah, we'll get that. And we'll also know probably a little bit more about coaching staff because there have been rumors around that too. We talked about how coach- Which is a whole other thing, yeah. I've heard rumors about Nardi still. Um, so so we'll, we'll, we'll learn more yeah. <laughs> um, in, the, in the coming days. There was one other thing I want to talk about on the rumor mill because we've been rumoring this entire time is yeah. that Fanta on the field of 68 said the other day- that that there have been rumors du- flying around that like the Big Twelve might be interested in adding UConn oh, and Villanova yeah. in addition to like the addition of Gonzaga or whatever that they were talking about. Like, thanks, and, I hate it. Yeah. So that was that was the rumor that was flying around. I I don't put a lot of stock in that. We um, just literally just have seen how good the Big East is, and like, we're yeah. just, this tournament was like as this much is as the, the Big last... East tournament. Yeah. As much as the last 10 years have been Villanova, like this was huge because it was every other team um, that like stepped up, frankly. And and in addition to that, in the middle of all of that, we couldn't keep people couldn't keep the Big East out of their fucking mouth because of the Cooley and Patino hires and all the drama 
surrounding that. So like the Big East just has this feeling of like, yeah, we're back. Like it feels like the Big East is like the old Big East. We got that old thing back, baby. Um, yeah, it feels good. It yeah. sucks that UConn's probably going to win the other next title, but I'll live with it. That was where I was going to go next. Who's who's going to win the national championship? I, I mean, smart money is just it's on UConn. Um, I don't want them to win because I just don't want number five for them. It, it's nothing really against the team. I think it's actually a really well put together team. It's like forty percent against Hurley. He just rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> He runs but, everybody the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes him. That's what makes him such a great heel for the conference, right? It it feels inevitable. I think the issue. I mean, they're just so fucking good. They're just like so from top to bottom. They are so fucking good. When they play at this level, they don't play like a normal college basketball team. No. They look like they're playing a different game than the team that they're playing. Yeah, I Miami. I if unless like. Pack and Wong just can go off. I don't see a way that they like really do and like they don't have anyone to match the size. Um, honestly, the best team that the team with the best Marquette team beat UConn twice. Yeah, but like, and they got the coach. They yeah, got Larry I, Like maybe they can figure it out. I my money would probably be on San Diego State though, just because San Diego State plays really fucking good defense and is grown men across the ball and like. I feel like would be able to mess up the offensive flow and prevent like post-entry passes to Sonogo and just they'd stick to Hawkins that like that one if it's UConn San Diego State prepare for the ugliest national championship game of all time because UConn's good UConn will get in the mud with you but like San Diego State lives in the mud and so we'll see but I I'm like 93 percent it's just gonna be UConn I have like a little bit I have like five percent San Diego State two percent 1.5% 1.5% Miami, and then, like, maybe FIU just, like, is riding a – they're not really a Cinderella. They won 31 games. They're they're, they're a fantastic team. Yeah. yeah. But, like, no one was really expecting them to be here, but, like, they're a really good team. So, maybe. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, 93% UConn. It's just – it's it feels inevitable. It does. They feel inevitable. <laughs> it yeah. Does. It really does feel inevitable. Look, I picked them in my bracket, so for that reason, I'll be – happy unfortunately and this always comes back to this like if they play FAU for sure and this sounds terrible but I'm going to be rooting for UConn because I am a big believer in loving the fact that I love that Villanova is the lowest or the worst seed to ever win the national championship I love that fact and I need that to stay clear and it's very funny because the only other times that have been at risk happens to be when UConn, UConn is the yeah. other side. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were the three and they played Butler, who was an eight in 2011. They were a seven and they played Kentucky, who was an eight in 2014. And here we are. We could have a one, uh, sorry, a four, nine matchup. In, so, uh, yeah, it feels like that kind of just says it's going to be UConn FAU and then UConn's going to win. Yeah, it's kind of feels like that. Um, I wouldn't be shocked by whoever wins the... San Diego State FAU. Yeah, that could be either. And because there's so much destiny vibes in both of them that like I'm just like just forgetting the actual basketball and just riding the vibe train. Like there that's vibes versus vibes over there. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like Miami has like the coach and the guard play, right? Like, so like if they're gonna formulate a, a, a game plan, it might look a lot like Marquette's game plan yeah. versus UConn. And if I'm Laranega, I'm probably pulling the Marquette tapes. And being like, what the fuck did Shaka do here? Other than that, I I don't see how anything happens. Like, I, I don't see how this isn't UConn winning both games by 15 plus. I, I feel like they're just going to storm all the way through it. I really do. <laughs> so you you like the uh, the eight seed thing. I like the fact that the 2018 team was the, like the last team to roll through that, and I want them to keep that for a bit. And I don't want UConn to be the one to be like, yeah, oh, like, well, 2018 did that by like 15 or 12 points. And UConn started by like they won every. Game I get by that. 25. So in that case, then you're rooting for Miami. Probably more than likely, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm you can stop them in their tracks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Re- yeah. Realistically, yeah. I'm not rooting I for Miami though. I'd be rooting for Mountain West probably. I'd be rooting for San Diego State. I kind of want to see FAU win it just because I'm so curious what that would do to the program. Just like. What like what happens when a conference USA team wins the national like the conference USA team next year? 
They move oh, they are AAC. going to AAC. Okay, yeah. So they I get forgot. to carry that with them. Houston's moving out. I don't know if that's next year or the year after, but yeah. Houston's moving out to the Big 12. Oh, There's a lot that, going on. That gets so much more interesting then because they're moving up a level and it's just like, I mean, up a level. Like, they're, they're, they've been better than every AAC team except for Houston. Houston's not even in the Final Four, so whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So off-season schedule here. We have the 40s. I think that's the only other one left that we have in this season. We're going to hold off on that podcast until we have a little bit more clarity in the portal. Um, we're so gonna I, have like, I feel like we're going to have like two emergency pods. <laughs> like we might have an emergency yeah. pod or an emergency space here or there. Yeah. Like I might throw a space together on Twitter, but like I, I don't think we're going to do another podcast, an, uh, another full-blown podcast plans until the 40s and i want to get i want to get a little bit deeper into the portal so we'll let the national championship game play out and we'll let everything else play out a little bit yeah and then we'll and then we'll wait and and then we'll do the uh the 40s episode so um look that's going to do it for us uh here on the full 40 thank you everybody for listening and as always let's go nova (laughs) 